Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. In verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. So this morning we're going to dive down a little bit into the power of the gospel. Eight years ago, we took our grandson Eli on a double-digit trip where he got to pick the destination. He chose Niagara Falls and charted out the places he wanted them to see, or wanted us to see. Uh, Let's go on to the next slide. One of them was the Robert Moses Niagara Power Plant. Uh, That was just one of the things that was in the area. We, of course, saw the falls, but we wanted to see this as well. And uh, here Eli is peddling to generate electricity uh, equivalent to the need for the items that are pictured on that little device. And we had to really pedal fast uh, to make that happen. And then if we go on to the next slide, from the Maid of the Mist, you get pretty up close and personal with the Horseshoe Falls. Uh, Picture here are Susan and Eli behind those lovely rain outfits that they give you. Uh, And when I think of power, my mind quickly goes to Niagara Falls because when you see those waters, that huge volume of water going down and crashing down below, it's just overwhelming, uh, all that amazing force and power. But the power of Niagara Falls is nothing compared to the power of God. He is the Almighty. His is the power for creating, power to destroy, and power to change hearts. Our God is powerful. Our next slide, an old hymn, Would You Be Free from the Burden of Sin? There's power in the blood. That's a real powerful tune, uh, one that we could sing sometime, but do you think about the power? It's not just a song. There is power in the blood. Wonder-working power. Redeeming power. Saving power. Forgiving power. Transformational power. Hallelujah. There is power in the gospel. There is power in the blood. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If I'm remembering correctly from last week, it's page 835 in the Pew Bible. I want us to read verses 4 through 7 of chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. When we think about these words, our key verse is verse 5. 
which we see uh, on the screen now. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So why would Paul say it like this? Not simply with words. In other words, Paul's not going there as a great orator uh, to give a speech and somehow to convince people that this is the way to go. But he's saying that it's not just words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Now, to some people, when we think of the Bible, they say, well, the Bible's just another book that there are lots of special books in the world that were just written by people, and they're still just books written like, by people like us. But that's not so for Christians, for true Christians, not so for the Thessalonian believers, and certainly not so from the heart of God. For this is the powerful word of God. Our gospel came to you not simply with words. It's not just words. In chapter 2, verse 13, it says, We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The Bible is the Word of God. Yes, the words were written down by human beings like us, but they were guided by the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write down what God intended for us to have. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When you've read the Word, have there been those times when it just grabbed hold of you or maybe convicted you of something? It divides between soul and marrow. It pierces our hearts. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? The Word of God is powerful. Uh, the Bible is the powerful Word of God and is so much more than just human words. Paul described the Thessalonians' reception of the gospel as with more than just words, but also with power, the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Commenting on this verse, the preacher's commentary says, the gospel must come in words. Though actions may speak louder than words, there is no communication of the gospel until words have been spoken. For the gospel is a story, the good news of Jesus himself. But if the gospel becomes merely a matter of words, it degenerates into a travesty. The Thessalonians received the gospel with power. Romans 1.16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone be who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Now, you've heard stories uh, from people hearing the same Bible message and they have very different responses. Uh, to some, the words that were spoken were simply words. Maybe it was even a nice speech. Uh, maybe the person delivered that well. But to others, 
they were grabbed hold by the message because it seemed to be God speaking directly to them. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. The Thessalonians whom Paul was writing to had believed. They had received the power of the gospel for salvation. As often happened in Paul's ministry, there had likely been demonstrations of divine power through miracles and healings. The Thessalonians likely saw right in front of their faces the power of God being revealed, manifested right in front of them. And assuredly, they had received the gospel with the power of a changed life. Uh, From the moment they placed their faith in Christ, they were changed people. They had become new creations. Other people around them could see the difference in their lives. They were no longer worshiping a multitude of gods, as in the Roman pantheon, but they were worshiping the one true God through Jesus, His Son. Their life was different, and their life was not just changed in terms of worship or their religion. Rather, they were changed in their behaviors and attitudes. They became examples of how they lived. Words spread around in the whole region about them, how they had turned away from idols to serve the living and true God, and how they loved each other, and they loved others. This was well known by the people around them, and they were astounded at the change that they could see. How has Jesus changed you since you gave your heart to him? Has he made a difference in the way you think, in the way you act, in the way you interact with others? How do your values differ from those of the values of our society? Can people who knew you before you gave your heart to Jesus see a difference in you now that you've trusted in him? The Thessalonians were forever changed by the power of the gospel, for the gospel is more than words alone. In verse 5, we see that they also received the gospel with the Holy Spirit. After the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the apostles and the other believers remained in Jerusalem praying together and waiting until the promised Holy Spirit would be given because Jesus had told them to wait until they were clothed with power from on high. He knew that they could not be effective in carrying out divine gospel ministry in their own strength. They needed divine power, for the gospel is the divine good news. So Paul, as he spoke, spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit infused his words with power and deep conviction. Paul's power to serve came not from within his own fortitude, but from the Holy Spirit. As a pastor, I study the words of the Scriptures to try to find things that then I can share with you, things that I'm learning that I can share with you, or things that hopefully will uh, be clearer to you. But from my own personal experience, I've discovered that some of the very biggest duds in my sermon delivery have been the ones that I thought ahead of time, this is a good one. I can't wait to give this message. Uh, Those are the ones that fall flat. But the ones that then I come in and I think, boy, that was a bomb. And this one didn't go. Then people as they're leaving say, oh, the Lord really spoke to me from that. Then you know it's the power of the Lord. It is not the power of this guy. Uh, It's God doing his work. 
It's very important to study God's Word and to prepare for preaching and sharing, but we must not just give a speech. We must not just give a speech. We must be empowered by God and not rely on our own personal abilities. It has to be the Lord because this is the divine message. It is God who is speaking His Word. And even as we're listening to a sermon, we must ask for the power of the Spirit to make God's Word resonate from our hearts. I've heard a lot of sermons. I've, when I was a teenager, sat in the back row, far back row, because then I could lean my head against the wall and doze off. Uh, I was not very involved in trying to hear that. I wasn't praying, Holy Spirit, help me understand what's going on. I was, I tracked everything on my watch and knew how long it was going to take. The pastor was very methodical. But uh, now you're going to try to start doing that to me, and that's okay. Uh, But I will watch the people who are where they can lean their heads back and, and watch. But there, I can also remember times when I've been in a service. And there was a time when I was in Bible college that our, our class actually took a field trip to a charismatic church. We were studying about the Holy Spirit and His gifts, and we wanted to go to this church. And as we went, we all had our, our notebooks, and we were writing down notes and things like that. And finally, at some point, the pastor said, and I think it was just before uh, he opened up the Word and then gave the message, He said, okay, you Bible students, we're glad you're here, but it's time to put down the pencils. It's time to listen for what God wants to speak to your hearts. We weren't in a classroom. We were there to worship. We were there to hear from the Lord. When it came time for the sermon, we needed to hear the powerful word of God. When you listen to a pastor speak to you, do you ask God to soften your heart and to sharpen your hearing so that you can hear what God intends for you in the message? It may be different for each of us, but God knows your heart. He knows where you are, and He's speaking into your heart and life. The Holy Spirit brings Jesus to us, brings Him to our service and to our hearts. And we say, welcome. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to us. Let's just pause for prayer for a few moments. Lord, we thank you that the gospel is not just words. That the Bible is not just a book of words or of writings. But rather it is your word to our hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you that Your word has power, and we thank you that, precious Holy Spirit, you come and bring that word into our hearts and lives. So, Lord, precious Holy Spirit, would you have your way in our hearts and lives? Speak to us. Lord, thank you that you care for us and that you are desiring to transform our hearts, that we might become more and more like Jesus. We give you thanks in your name. Amen. Verse 5 also says that the Thessalonians received the gospel with deep conviction. When they heard the powerful words of God, they experienced deep personal conviction. They knew that God was speaking to them. 
Uh, their hearts burn within them, sort of like the disciples on the road to Emmaus who were walking with the resurrected Jesus but didn't realize it yet. And when after Jesus had left them, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was speaking? So the Thessalonians heard this and they heard and they, their hearts were on fire. I can remember as a teenager... Yes, I was one of those once, and it's a long time ago, but I do remember some things, including going to uh, evangelistic meetings with uh, friends whose uh, churches were having Philippew night, and they would have uh, this group against this group and saying who could have more people there. It was all sorts of sort of odd ways of getting people to come, but I can remember sitting there, and as that message was being preached, uh, feeling the conviction of the Lord. And I can remember as the invitation was being given, having my hands on the back of the, uh, of the pew in front of me and holding on, uh, thinking I should go forward and think, uh, I don't want to do that. I got all my friends by me. I don't want to be the one to, to do this. And I held on. But thankfully, over a, a longer period of time, uh, finally, I surrendered to the Lord. Not in that particular time that I'm remembering, but in another time where I really fully surrendered my heart to Jesus. But I felt that deep conviction, that deep conviction. Have you felt that deep conviction that God loves you and that He gave His Son, Jesus, to die for you so that you could become His child, that you could be forgiven, that you could be changed, that you could be His son or His daughter? The Word of God is powerful. Have you had those times when God's Word or His message through a song, a sermon, or an action spoke directly to you? That's the powerful work of the Holy Spirit bringing deep conviction to you. Uh, we listen to Caleb quite a bit, and there are times when they say, uh, you know, you need to help support this because there may be a time when you least expect it that the song is the one intended for you. And there have been times when I've been driving along and I hear a song and I say, that's just what I needed at the time. Uh, not just from Caleb, there are other good Christian stations, but you know, God speaks to us in different ways, in different times. Or when I'm driving my school bus, there's one particular curve that I turn by and there's a pasture uh, and that's where the sun rises and on the days when I can see the sun rise uh, I'm ready to shout out yeah the heavens declare the glories of God and thankfully there was one time this week when some of my students were actually alert to the sunrise look at the sunrise uh, it was a great thing uh, the Lord speaks in different ways as he speaks to us now, in our society, we don't like to make anyone feel bad. We dismiss sinful choices as misspeaking or mistakes or simply poor decisions. They are those things, but they are more. Conviction by the Holy Spirit is not simply a matter of making someone feel bad, but rather He convinces them of the truth, the truth of God's Word, the truth of our own sinfulness, the truth of our need for God's forgiveness. Deep conviction leads us to godly repentance, as it did with the Thessalonians who turned away from worshiping many gods to worship 
the one true and living God through faith in Jesus. Which leads us to a, another characteristic of the power of the gospel. The Thessalonians received the gospel message with power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. And they did so in such a way that their lives were changed. This characteristic is life transformation. Repentance is not just apologizing for our sins or even feeling deeply sorry about our sins, but it is a change. It's an about face. We were going in this direction. Now we turn and we intentionally go in the direction that God wants us to go. That's repentance. Uh, we intentionally turn to God and follow his ways. Now, during the week, as I drive my school bus in New Wilmington, one of my routes involves picking up eight Amish children who have disabilities. Their verbal communications are weak, so their Amish teachers have used some simple sign language to help them out. Now, when the kids do something that uh, upsets another child, uh, and that happens in, in all of our lives, uh, the teachers have taught them to say, I'm sorry. And so they sign, I'm sorry. And so sometimes when I've called the children down for something, they'll be doing this. And I think, you know, I nod my head or something like that. And then until I finally found out that the way you respond is to say thank you. So when they say sorry, we say thank you. And when you say, when I say thank you to them, they think everything's great, everything's grand, and then they go on to do it again. Uh, <laughs> now, I think you know, and I know, that... To say you're sorry isn't all that's needed. There needs to be a change of heart, too. Uh, they haven't quite gotten that concept completely. Some of us haven't gotten that concept very well either. For the true believer in Jesus, life changes. It's not enough to go to an altar or to make a decision. Those are important parts of our relationship with the Lord, but there must be a life change by the power of the gospel, power of the Holy Spirit. Not life change that is somehow saying, I'm going to try really hard to do everything right and to put away wrong things, but rather it's that when we surrender to God, He changes our heart, He changes our motivation, He changes our passions. He gives us new desires and convictions so that we can live a transformed life, one that honors him. There was a time in my life when I dreamed of becoming a professional baseball player. Now, if you had watched me in Little League, you would have known that wasn't going to happen, but I didn't know that. I dreamed of being a professional baseball player, and I knew that if I was going to be an athlete, I had to put away things that would hurt my body. Uh, so I, I put away some of those uh, unhealthy practices uh, that some of my peers were involved in, uh, but then, after I surrendered my heart to Jesus, yeah, I still wanted to be an athlete, but the reason that I wanted to live healthy was because now Jesus lived in me, and my body had become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I was to honor Him and how I lived and how I, I acted, how I behaved. So I still avoided unhealthy practices like alcohol, tobacco, and drugs, but now I did it for Jesus. I did it to honor Him. The Holy Spirit gave me a new desire, a new motivation for living. The Holy Spirit was changing me from the inside out. The Thessalonians received the gospel as more than just words, but as the powerful word of God through the Holy Spirit 
and deep conviction. When they gave their hearts to Jesus, they were changed. In Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, they had become new creations. The old was gone. The new had come. Now we can move to the next slide. This is the power of the gospel, the power to change hearts and lives. In his commentary, Pastor Tony Evans gave this example of a changed life. He said, if you want to show off a new clothing line, you put samples on a beautiful model. The model's role is to make the clothes look good. Similarly, the Thessalonians wore kingdom clothes well by their godly attitudes and actions. When they reacted to tragedy, they made Jesus look good. The language they used made Jesus look good. The way they conducted themselves at home made Jesus look good. Do you wear your kingdom clothes well? So how does the power of the gospel show itself in your life? Using the words of Tony Evans, do you wear your kingdom clothes well? Or in another way of saying it, how does your life show the truth and life-changing power of the gospel. How is Jesus changing your life and how is it being demonstrated that others might see?